you've landed on the Unbridled Enthusiasm Live podcast with your host, Mark Poulos. What do you say we get into some weird stuff? Flapjacks and tears. Hey, people. Welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I am Mark Poulos. Um... The last episode I did, I kind of uh, went back and um, told you the origins of the single mom material in my uh, my comedy show, and it felt good. It was kind of cool, so I decided for this next episode um, to uh, go back to the beginning and tell you the origins of the uh, flapjacks and tits joke, because uh, in the last year or two maybe three years the the baton has kind of been passed for me being known as the uh single mom joke comic guy to uh people uh remembering me mostly for uh my flapjacks and tits joke because um, uh sing a jingle on stage which you hear in the beginning of uh the opening of the show which is just the uh flapjacks and tits and uh so yeah i'm gonna go through how exactly flapjacks and tits came to be um so had to have been close to maybe eight years ago maybe even ten uh it was the year that the minneapolis uh, river bridge collapsed and i only know that because uh, I watched it on TV when I was down uh, doing these shows where I uh, came up with uh, Flapjacks and Tits. So uh, one of the bookers I worked with uh, tried to break into Branson, Missouri. And uh, if you're not aware of uh, what Branson, Missouri is, um, uh, and if you only know what Wisconsin Dells is, if this is hitting a lot of people in the Midwest... Branson is uh, basically what they call a destination town, where it's not actually a city where people live. They've actually turned the entire city into a entertainment mecca, whereas Wisconsin Dells is more of uh, a family place, like younger family with water slides, go-kart tracks, miniature golf, all that kind of stuff. Branson is kind of the uh, the adult destination not adult as in porn uh a lot of blue hairs as they say teeth falling out of the face type of thing um but it's just like uh good restaurants and a ton of entertainment a lot of people have set up shop down there like uh mr yakov Shmirnov. he has his own theater down there uh with the uh real linen napkins if you get a chance, go to YouTube and watch the uh, promotional video for the uh, Yakov Smirnoff uh, Theater. It's absolutely ridiculous. They decided to take all the tables out of the theater and uh, seat it like a movie, but then they still want to uh, feed people. A couple other people have set up shop down there. Uh, I think Barry Williams from... Uh, 
the Brady Bunch does some kind of variety show down there. But I mean, it's like, it's wall to wall, like entrenched these entertainment theaters down there that, uh, it's a little tough for anybody to, uh, to break in from the outside if, you know, you're not a name and you're not working with a venue down there that's been there since it opened. Um, but a comedy booker I worked with was trying to break in down there. They had a, uh, a newer hotel that opened up and they hadn't really built on a theater to it. I mean, they had, uh, uh, a place where they do entertainment, but you know, down there it's like you build its own theater for this, you know, whatever show you're going to put on. I mean, down there it's like people in hula hoops juggling, you know, dogs and, uh, eating apples off of, uh, flaming torches and, you know, the, uh, the vaudeville comedian with the uh, the flower that shoots water. I mean, it's really all kind of top class entertainment. Uh, so they had this newer hotel and they wanted it to uh, uh, just run of the mill like uh, road stand up comedy shows where guys that were on the road would stop there for a week and and do comedy because they really didn't have anything like that in the town. But as you can imagine, uh, breaking in down there was a little tough. We did, uh, uh, I was working with a good friend of mine, Mr. Mike Merrifield. Uh, check out his podcast. It's, uh, I believe it's called Irrelevant on iTunes. Um, so I was opening for him down there. And we were supposed to be doing shows Tuesday through Sunday, which uh just kind of ridiculous. But... Uh, so we got there on Tuesday, and uh, uh, I think it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, we were doing comedy in this uh, theater that sits like, oh man, I can't even imagine. Um, probably close to like 600 people. I mean, it was just gigantic. And we averaged from Tuesday through Friday probably about 11 people per show and you can ask Maryfield about it it was just ridiculous and then uh friday for whatever reason um they had some kind of a corporate event or something but we walked in there and the place was just like packed wall to wall and the guy was like hey i meant to tell you guys we uh, booked this corporate on friday and uh we kind of sold it with the comedy show. So you guys are going to be doing comedy for these 600 people, you know. And uh, it uh, it was pretty funny because <laughs> we had to be clean and they were just all old war vets. It was just like a pretty, pretty bad show, to say the least. It was funny as I forgot to mention that when we first got there, uh, they told us that the shows had to be on the cleaner side because it was Branson and that's what people expect down there. Yeah, let's have a clean show with uh, with Mark Poulos and Mike Merrifield. That's a good idea. Uh, so then I, I asked, I said, well, you know, I sell T-shirts after the show. Uh, is there any way that I could uh, sell these T-shirts? And he said, well, we have to make sure that it's not any kind of a uh, slogan that would be offensive to anybody in the crowd. So I said, well, I have a shirt uh, that says uh, asshole on it and another shirt that says bitch. And he was like, well, right there, you can't, you can't sell those shirts. You can't. And I go, so I'm assuming I can't say bitch or asshole 
on stage either. And he's like, no. So then I said, well, I've got this other uh, shirt here that says, uh, I love single moms. And on the back of it, it says, uh, sex and snacks, hell yeah. And he immediately was like, yeah, that's fine. You can sell that on stage. And the look on Mike Merrifield's face was just priceless. Um, so then Mike goes, well, uh, I sell these two shirts and I can't remember what the second shirt was he was selling at that time, but the one that cracked me up and, uh, I doubt he even sells it anymore was it said, uh, uh, I don't have whiskey dick. You're just ugly. That's what it said. And the guy read it and laughed and then said, you can't sell that on stage. And then he just flipped out. He was like, I can't sell a shirt that says dick on it, but he can sell a shirt that says sex and snacks, single moms. And he goes, yeah, I don't see uh, what's offensive about that. And just like his jaw just dropped and he just walked away. So I had to hear about that all week that I got to sell uh, my Smelf shirt and he couldn't sell anything after the show. So uh, I bring up the big show because uh, we did the show and uh, it was a little tough, but whatever. And uh, up until that day, we had just been kind of doing the shows and then heading back to our respective rooms to watch TV or porn or whatever. And, uh, so after that show, like, you know, we felt kind of good. It was a big crowd and whatever. So we decided to just kind of zoom around town and see what was going on. Cause we were only doing one show a night at seven o'clock. So we zipped around town. We ended up at, uh, the international house of pancakes in Branson, Missouri is where we ended up so we got seated and uh we were all sitting there and uh uh we had the bartender at the the venue that we were working at was really cool man he knew that it was like a sucky gig so he was hooking up uh, hooking us up with some free drinks and cheap bar tabs and stuff so after that show we got a little schnockered because some of the people from the show were getting us shots and then the guy was buying a shot so we got to IHOP. We were, uh, as they say, feeling no pain. And uh, our waitress came over, a very nice lady, maybe in her early uh, to mid-40s, with uh, gigantic breasts. And when I say gigantic on stage, uh, it's kind of hard to describe really how big they were. I mean, her boob, each boob was about the size of an eight-year-old's head like that's how big her boob was and i was just staring right at him because i was wasted and i was just like in such awe and maryfield kind of punched me because i was staring at him and uh, we put in our orders and everything and she brought our food and we ate and everything and then she brought her check and i just couldn't help myself uh i said hopefully this doesn't offend you but i'm just wondering how much would it be to see those and I, I tell it on stage whatever literally seconds she says $41 and Maryfield laughed so hard he almost fell out of the booth because it was just so quick and I didn't flinch for a second I was just staring right at her she was staring at me and she said $41 and I said uh, you know that that's a very specific amount of money and uh she said back she said 
I've got these two bills that uh, have to be paid tonight. So uh, I need $41 by by midnight because i got to put it in my checking account. And uh, I looked at Maryfield and I said, start emptying your pockets because we're coming up with $41 right now. And we both started kind of pulling cash out and figuring out how much money we had. And like right at that moment, an entire bus filled with like hockey kids that were traveling across country pulled into uh, the IHOP. So that, of course, uh, put the kibosh on that immediately. So uh, we put our money away and uh, we kind of hung out there for a little bit longer. And... uh, we were probably there for another like 15 or 20 minutes and it was just so funny because she just kept coming by with different scenarios on uh how we could see her breasts she uh she goes why don't you guys excuse yourself go to the bathroom and uh, there's a little alcove over there and when you guys come out of the bathroom i'll be standing there and my tits will be hanging out and then uh you just you know you give me the $41 and we'll call it a day. And Maryfield just starts laughing. He's like, no, I don't think that's going to work. And I said, yeah, that just seems a little weird. So then she walked away and we kind of wrapped up our stuff and we were heading to the door and she stopped us on the way to the door. And she, and at this point it was probably like 1130, 12 o'clock. And she goes, uh, she goes, my shift ends about two thirty in the morning. So if you guys want to swing back over here in the parking lot, uh, you know, you drive up, I just pull my titties out, you give me forty one dollars and uh and then we'll be done. And I just looked at Mike, I'm like, uh, you know, I think the moment has passed. <laughs> I doubt very highly that uh uh I'm gonna get up at two twenty and drive over here just to see boobs. <laughs> so that's uh that's kinda how the story went, that's like how it started. The other part of the story comes in uh, with how the joke was actually created because I had the whole thing down in Branson with Mike and I sat on the story for a while. You know, I thought it was funny. I didn't really think I was going to be able to make it funny for the stage. A couple years later, I was working in uh, Toledo with another very funny comic named Dave Landau and uh, after the first show, we, we hit it off. And uh, hung out in Toledo for a couple days. Um, one of the days we decided to have lunch at Friendly's. And if you're uh, in or around or been in the greater Ohio area, you're aware of a restaurant called Friendly's whose uh, slogan is, I believe, uh, a happy ending with each meal. Which means uh, you get like a candy Sunday thing, which I was very disappointed at because uh, it says Sunday literally just a scoop of ice cream with uh whatever your favorite candy is stuck in the side of it um the waitress came out and it was just literally a scoop of ice cream with a buttercup in the side of it and i was like you guys don't crush it up gotta like mix it in sprinkle it on top she's like health code says that we can't uh handle the candy and uh we just finished our lunch and both kind of had stomach aches dave was saying the food tasted weird so I said to the waitress, I go, oh, so the the chefs can throw the hamburgers on the grill back there with their bare hands, but they can't crush up a buttercup? And uh, she just stood there for 
a good time just staring at me didn't laugh and she walked away and lando just lost it but uh over that lunch we just you know we went over some bits that we'd been working on and trying to make work and somehow the flapjacks and tit story came up and dave like you know really helped me hone it and like write it and figure out how i was going to say it on stage and uh I don't think over that lunch, the, the jingle, the flapjacks and tits, I don't think that was come up with at the lunch. I think I feel like as I was workshopping it through the week, I, I stumbled upon that. But uh, it was just so funny because after that, uh, we both went back to our hotel rooms and Dave called me on the phone and he was like, do you are you having a violent diarrhea? And uh, I said, no, I mean... I got kind of a stomach ache, and he's like, I have not stopped shitting since I got back to my hotel room. And that was kind of his opening joke for the rest of the week was that me and him met for lunch at Friendly's, and uh, it wasn't very friendly as he was yelling down the hallway of the hotel, I'm having violent diarrhea. But, uh, yeah, I always uh, thank Dave for... uh, kind of being the the co-creator the helper of the flapjacks and titch joke because uh that joke's become big you know it's uh i mean it took me a while for me to kind of figure out how i was gonna incorporate it into my show and and how i was gonna do it on stage but uh it was kind of nice it's like i've had you know certain sections of my career where I'm kind of known for something, you know, and a lot of comics get that, you know, it's like, oh, it's that guy, he's, uh, he's the guy that does the puppet thing, or he's the guy that, uh, you know, rips his pants off at the end of the show, and, uh, actually, that's all the same guy. Anyways, um, so early on in my career, I was known for a joke entitled, uh, The Parking Lot Retard, which I wasn't too proud about. Uh, it was a funny joke. Uh, I used to work nights at a casino uh, when I started doing comedy, and I met a guy, and uh, he gave me an idea for a joke. He said he worked at a casino, and they were going to be uh, you know, putting new tar on the parking lot, and uh, they made an announcement like at 11.30 that at noon, if you were parked in the east parking lot, you needed to move your car uh, because they needed to get the parking lot retard. That's the way they said it. So this guy starts laughing because he's a degenerate and assumes that there's a kid named the parking lot retard that just got lost. So that folded over, became the parking lot retard joke where uh, I talk about, uh, you know, how does he, what's his job? Does he put on a helmet and run into the carts? You know, what if you find him? He's in a bush eating ketchup and he's like, I'm on lunch. Leave me alone. So for a long time, I was I was known as the parking lot retard guy. And uh, I don't know how many times people told me after the show, you should make a shirt that says parking lot retard on it. And I'm like, I already feel bad enough about the joke. I'm not going to sell a shirt that uh, exemplifies the mentally handicapped. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, then, of course, that rolled into the Smilf stuff, which I've talked about. And now we're on to... Flapjacks and Dits is kind of the thing that I'm, I guess, known for now. People sing along with it while I'm on stage. It's always amazing to me when people come on, you know, come out after 
comedy shows because it's almost like 50 50 split you know because you know i should keep trying to write you know and, and come up with new stuff because i think that's what people want but i don't know how many times i get people that come up to me after the show are like oh uh you don't do that bonfire joke anymore or the haircut joke or man you don't you didn't do the parking lot retard joke tonight and now I'm kind of fa- phasing out the single mom stuff, and now it's, oh, I can't believe you don't do any of the single mom jokes anymore, you know, and it's just like, you gotta move on, you know, it's like, I understand that uh, people like their greatest hits, you know, Brian Regan goes out there, he'll do like an hour or two at a at a theater, and uh, the first part of it is all new material, and then he opens it up for the audience to yell out their suggestions, you know. And that's just amazing, you know. I mean, I think it would be a little pretentious of me <laughs> to do like 45 minutes and then just start calling out for requests in uh, in Kirksville, Missouri. You're like, you guys know me. What do you want to hear? Throw out, a, throw out one of my bits from my older albums, you know, as they just stare at me like I've lost my mind. It'll be nice to get to a point at that point, though, you know, it's like, I just, I don't know how guys go out there every week, all week, every week, going to these same clubs, touring through the same cities, and just doing the same 45-minute bit every night. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. This business is is easy enough, you know. Writing a couple new jokes a day is, is not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, it, I'm not, it, I'm not going to lie, it gets you noticed, you know. If you go back to, you know... Tulsa or Des Moines or Kansas City and then you go back the next year and 50% of your stuff is different like the waitstaff and the management they take notice they see comics every week and if you're one of these guys that's you know just grinding it out you come through and you do the the same 45 and you know people check out you know it's like you gotta you gotta find a way to set yourself apart you know it's like sometimes i stay on stage like you know i just I, I don't want people to just have a good time and laugh like i want my show to become part of their life you know like i want them to be singing flapjacks and tits around the bound the bonfire or calling their single mom friends smilfs you know or you know maybe calling your idiot friend, the parking lot retard, which I wouldn't condone, but I'm sure it's happened. You know, it's because it's, it's all about the material, you know, and I've always, I'd say probably 90 to 98% of the stuff that I talk about on stage is based on real stories, and that's why I kind of liked doing these last two podcasts, because, uh, you know, the single mom stuff especially is based on so many real experiences and the flapjacks and tits joke is just amazing that it was based on such a true, like, real moment in life, you know, where two comedians are at an IHOP in Branson and a woman says that she'll pull out her tits for $41. It's like, how do you write that stuff, you know? And I tried for a long time early in my career to sit down and just kind of make stuff up off the top of my head, but I just found out that, you know, it's hard. It's hard to just make up comedy out of thin air you know a lot of amazing comedians are able to do it i just you know i have to experience something and and go from there and uh 
I'm excited to move on to, you know, new material, maybe stuff about being a dad and a married guy and, you know, just all the crazy adventures that are on the horizon. But, uh, yeah. So I, uh, on my new album, which is called, uh, Unbridled Enthusiasm available on iTunes. Um, I actually do a whole bit on there because I had a show where uh, a lady was, uh, what I called her the fourth wall killer. Um, comedy, mostly theater. They say that there's a fourth wall in entertainment. You got your three walls on stage and then where the audience is watching you, that's considered the fictitious fourth wall. And you, in theater, you never want to break the fourth wall, but in comedy, we kind of use it as like, you know, the pulling the veil down on the comedy, you know, cause even though most of the stuff that comics talk about is based on real stories, it's been embellished and overemphasized and, so I was doing one of the shows recording my CD and this lady was just out of her mind. Like anytime I did a joke, she was right on top of me. Like, was there really a guy in the bush named the parking lot retard? Or, you know, do you really call single mom smilfs? You know, just questions if these jokes are real or whatnot. And so she asked a question about the flapjacks and tits. And I told the story on the CD, not as long or involved as this, obviously, but, uh, it was kind of cool, you know, breaking that down and, and letting people in on some, the behind the scenes stuff on how a joke is, you know, put together. I know it's, I'm talking like it's, you know, Moby Dick, you know, it's a fucking joke about eating pancakes and a woman pulling her tits out. That's what the joke's about. But, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I think it's cool to kind of look in and and see how a, a joke is born and written and brought to the stage, you know, and just, uh, I don't know what it is, man, but my life, I've always been uh, a crazy person magnet, uh, just ending up in weird scenarios, and, and uh, I think that's what kind of sustained me so long as a comedian, just having so many just weird and outrageous stories and flapjacks and tits is definitely one of the top. So I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to another unbridled enthusiasm podcast. If you want to find out more about me, uh, Mark Poulos on iTunes, you can get all three of my comedy albums. Uh, large drunk man uh on twitter on facebook and my website it's all large drunk man and uh you found this podcast so i'm sure you know how to get the podcast and uh tune in next time when we uh, talk about who knows